Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am Doris Hansen, your host, and we do appreciate your sharing your evening with us. We do hope that you enjoy what we have planned to share with you tonight. But first of all, I'd like to thank all of those who responded to our ask for help to donate furniture for the FLDS lady that uh, needs uh, to furnish her home. Uh, we got several responses and we, we got some good donations and I just want to thank each one of you who has so generously given. Also, I'd like to mention that our next discussion group meets Monday, June 4th at 6.30, same time, same place, and if you'd like to come, you can email us or uh, call and leave your contact information, and we'll give you the details. Normally, we meet on the last Monday of each month, but that's Memorial Day this month, so it's going to be the next week, the next Monday, June 4th, at, um, from 6.30 to 8 p.m., and we do encourage all who have left a polygamy situation to get some support and this is a support group where you will enjoy listening to and uh, maybe even sharing your own experiences. Last week our guest was Grant Palmer and he is also our guest again this week. Uh, Grant Palmer has a long history of membership and service in the LDS Church but he was placed on probation when he began discovering and telling <coughs> excuse me, historical truth about the translation process that Joseph Smith used. He discovered that knowing and telling the truth is not necessarily respected among many in the Mormon hierarchy, but nonetheless he is uncompromising and continues his research of the origins of Mormonism. He published a book about his conclusions. It's entitled An Insider's View of Mormon Origins, published by Signature Books. And in 2005, he published another book entitled The Incomparable Jesus, published by Colford Books. I would like to introduce our guest and, and welcome him again to our show tonight, Grant Palmer. Thank you, Doris. Thanks for joining us again. <laughs> we have some, some shocking information for maybe a lot of our viewers to share with them tonight. Um, but before we launch into our discussion, uh, for those who weren't watching last week, perhaps you would like to tell our viewers again about your books and where they can get them, Insider's View of Mormonism um, and The Incomparable Jesus, and where they can get them. Uh, the, the most reasonable price is probably on, uh, on Amazon.com. You can go to Signature Books or Coford Books for the Jesus book, but it's uh, more reasonably priced at Amazon. Amazon.com, okay. And you have a web page that you would like to share with our viewers where they can go get your paper and more information of, of some of your research as well as a personal contact information. Yeah, everything we've discussed last week, this week, and what I've done the last 10, 12 years is on uh, the, the Mormon Think web page or homepage Grant Palmer. It's on the screen right there. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, if you'd like to email me for tonight's paper or and the ones last week, I will be happy to send those to you. And that is also on the uh, on the screen right now, my email address. Grant H. Palmer at gmail.com. They can email that for your papers or... Yes. Or, okay. But they're also on this Mormon Think 
homepage Grant Palmer. Mm -hmm. And it's a very good website. I urge all of our viewers to go there. And if you haven't been there yet, it's got some awesome information uh, that you'd be interested in seeing, I'm sure. Last week, we discussed the sexual allegations against Joseph Smith, and our, our conversation included Joseph Smith's translation text, techniques, which included peep stones. And uh, we received a caller during the show from Pleasant View, and this caller was very shaken to hear about Joseph Smith's peep stone translation process. Evidently, the normal, faithful, naive um, uh, LDS church member hasn't got a clue that Joseph Smith translation. Uh, translated through the peepstones, and I really doubt if many of the polygamists know about that either. But this caller left a message asking, do the church leaders know anything about this? So, Grant Palmer, would you briefly address this again tonight? I know we talked about it last week, but to answer our viewers' question, do the LDS peep, uh, leaders know of the alleged translation process Joseph Smith used of peepstones rather than what they claim? Well, they do. Uh that's why I got in trouble back in 1985, is because I was in the news and, and he had used this seer stone, as he called it, and that is, he used that stone to translate our entire current Book of Mormon. And, uh, and, uh. So he didn't use the gold plates, he used the stone. No, and, and yet they're still teaching in the Ensign magazine, Joseph studying those figures like he's a classical scholar. But it's really the stone in the hat. He puts his elbows on his knees and he looks into this large black hat or white hat, depending on. And that's how it was done. And uh, Internet Mormons seem to know this is the case now. But chapel Mormons, meaning those who just go to church every Sunday and never get on the Internet, mm -hmm. they don't know <clears throat> as much because they're, they're still not teaching this is the way it was done mm -hmm. in the in the Sunday school. So that's, is that kind of deceitful, do you think, that they're not well, telling the Well, they're truth? not forth-telling. Joseph Smith never put in his history right in the beginning that he used the seer stone. He let, he's the one that left it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of perpetuated and come on down. Yeah. They still have this stone. As I mentioned last week, I saw this stone in the first presidency's vault in uh, June of 1966. Well. Yeah. And I looked into it and couldn't see a thing. Couldn't see a thing. Well, you didn't. Of course, I'm not a prophet. You hadn't been given that special gift. We also received a letter uh, through snail mail from a viewer who who knew that you were going to be a guest on the show, and that she she or he suggested that perhaps the Council of Fifty which we are going to be talking about tonight, may be kind of an early uh, strengthening the church members committee that we have today because it's so highly secretive. Um, the question fits very well in with our topic tonight. It did Joseph Smith, uh, is there a treason charges against Joseph Smith? Uh, Joseph Smith and his secret council of 50 were involved in some very questionable activities and that is going to be our discussion tonight. I want to quote from Mr. Palmer's paper that he just mentioned that is on his website, and then we're going to plunge into the discussion. In his paper, he quotes Joseph Smith as saying, quote, And my people who are a remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles, yea, in the midst of them as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots. And I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds. And I will pluck 
pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so I will destroy thy cities. And I will execute vengeance and fury upon them, even as upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. And the quotes there from 3 Nephi uh, 21 and 16, Mormon uh, in Mormon 5:24, and also in the Doctrine and Covenants 87. 87. Now, one of the salient themes within the Book of Mormon is that the Native Americans, under the direction of God, will destroy the Gentiles in America unless they repent, meaning embracing the Mormon gospel. In the 1830 Book of Mormon, he threatens the Gentiles to repent or be destroyed. However, in other prophecies, Joseph Smith says that if the Gentiles do repent, they can assist the Native Americans in building up Jerusalem. In 1838, LDS Apostle Parley P. Pratt affirmed Joseph Smith's 1830 prophecies, again quoting from Mr. Palmer's paper. Pratt prophesied, and we quote, all who will not hearken to the Book of Mormon shall be cut off from among the people. And not only does this page set the time for the overthrow of our government and all other Gentile governments on the American continent, but the way and means of this utter destruction are clearly foretold, namely, the remnant of Jacob will go through among the Gentiles and tear them in pieces, like a lion among the flocks of sheep. Their hand shall be lifted up upon their adversaries, and all their enemies shall be cut off. This destruction includes an utter overthrow and desolation of all our cities, forts, and strongholds, and entire annihilation of our race except such as embrace the covenant and are numbered with Israel. Now, Mr. Sunderland, you have something definite and tangible. The time, the manner, the means, the names, the dates, and I will state as a prophecy that there will not be an unbelieving Gentile upon this continent 50 years hence, and if they are not greatly scourged and in a great measure overthrown within five or ten years from this date, then the Book of Mormon will have proved itself false. Question. Would you explain what Smith and the Council of Fifty were planning and the activities that were taking place in Nauvoo and how the Council, the Secret Council of Fifty is linked to these activities and the charge of treason against Joseph Smith? Well, you've given the prophecies. They're in 3 Nephi 16, 3 Nephi 20, 21 chapter, Mormon 5, and they take up most of these chapters. This is a huge set of prophecies mm -hmm. about what's going to happen to this government and this country, and they will be overthrown. The Council of Fifty was organized in, uh, in March of 1844 to be the means for bringing about these prophecies. And it was organized, it's a theocratic body of 50 men. They were called uh, the, the Council of 50, the Living Constitution, which tells you how they viewed themselves. Uh, they're speaking for God for the entire earth. Wow. They sent out a proclamation to every king in the world, the President of the United States, all rulers, it's very ambitious. And they sent this out, letting them know that the kingdom of God has been established here on the earth and it will eventually um, uh, consume or be part of this 
Kingdom, which was organized in March of 1844. Now, didn't but it's they, the didn't they call the, the Council of Fifty the Kingdom of God? Wasn't that another name for it? The Council of Fifty, the Kingdom of God, and each of the 50 men are sworn to secrecy with their life, and they're all called princes in the kingdom. And I think they're each going to kind of go out, Joseph Smith has in mind, although we can't demonstrate that conclusively, to set up cells throughout the United States to build this theocratic political kingdom of God on earth. Hmm. And wow. Joseph Smith has himself ordained king of the earth in, uh, in, in uh, April 11th of 1844. And then Brigham Young is ordained king over the earth in 1847, and then John Taylor in 1885. So they were ordained king as well? Yes. Brigham Young and John Taylor were? Yes, it goes clear up wow. through almost the manifesto, 1890, at least that's, the mid-80s. That's very interesting. And the part that I'm focusing on is what happens in Nauvoo. Joseph Smith met with his council, oh, <clears throat> about 15 times. And it and it's too bad we don't have the minutes of the Council of 50. Yes. Uh, it would probably, probably, we don't know for sure, probably tell us a lot about how they, what their goals were, their methodologies for conquering the world. But there were people who were in the Council of 50 that kind of told on the sly what... <clears throat> That's how we know about it, at the threat of their own life after Joseph Smith was uh, um, uh, killed, then they began to talk, but it was still at the peril of their life. But mm -hmm. we have four or five or six people who, who shared what, uh, what went on in those meetings, and it is quite shocking. I, I think we're probably dealing with treason here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, they had, uh, what, a three-part purpose? Is that what, uh, when, uh, as far as going out into the country, uh, the plan, uh, there was a plan one and plan two, well, actually three parts of what they were going well, to I, do? Well, I, I cite three different examples of, uh -huh. of them doing this, for example, in Nauvoo, uh, Joseph had a number of secret meetings with the, the Indian tribes of the, the Nauvoo area, the Sacs, the Fox, the Potawatomis, the Sioux, mm -hmm. and numerous statements, well, n not numerous, half a dozen statements say what those meetings included. And, uh, and they, uh, they're, they're, they're going to overthrow the government. The, the, the whole modus operandi of, of, of this council is to... Tell the Indians, this land belongs to you. We agree with you. And it says it right there in the passage you read in uh, Third Nephi, uh, one of those, one of those uh, verses. Uh -huh. and, then, and, then you t and then they tried to convert them to the LDS gospel. Mm -hmm. And then when enough uh, Mormons were converted, plus enough of the Indians that would make an alliance with the, with the church, when they're sufficient, then Joseph was going to lead them as their king to conquer the United States, to overthrow the United States government. Now, I know this is new, and you probably hardly believe it, but, you know, when Joseph Smith said, not too long before he died, that no man knows my history, he... He said quite a mouthful. Well, they may not have known it, but we know it today, and that's how history works. I mean, George Washington 200 years ago, uh, we know more about George Washington today than we did 200 years ago sure. because we got diaries and journals mm -hmm. and, and, and documents that are showing up.
oh, there's things that Washington's neighbors knew that were never recorded that they knew that we don't know. Mm -hmm. But overall, we have we know a lot more about it. And it's the same with Joseph Smith. Sure. We know his history. We we uh, it's the deeper you dive into Nauvoo, it's not looking very good. I personally think that if people take a, a serious look at Nauvoo alone, they'll have a hard time singing the hymn, Praise to the Man. Well, they should have a hard time singing that one anyway. But I thought in your paper you have a definition of treason from Black's Law Dictionary. I thought I would I'd bring that up mm. on the screen and let our viewers see what treason is according to um, the, the definition. And the, and the good thing about Black's Law Dictionary is that it incorporates case law into that definition as it's come down to us through the decades. So okay. it's, it's, it's pretty current. Good. Okay. So the definition of treason according to Black's Law Dictionary is the offense of attempting to overthrow the government of the state to which one owes allegiance, either by making war against the state or by materially supporting its enemies, end quote. And so this, in essence, was what Joseph Smith and his Council of Fifty were attempting and what they planned on doing and actually made some headway towards doing it. They did. For example, Alpheus Cutler, who's a member of this Quorum of the Fifty, they sent him down to Kansas, Missouri area and... Uh, and he's riling up the Indians. I mean, it's, it's in this document. And he he's, goes to the six, uh, six nations of the uh, Delaware Reserve, and he says he has 3,000 of them on board. They're going to attack Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Wow. And they figure it'll take six hours, and they'll, they'll topple that military insta installation. They're not just, this isn't just a theory. They're out doing something about it. They mm -hmm. send Lyman White down to Texas, to stir up the Indians, but they also had another uh, mission in mind for, for uh, uh, White. He was also an apostle and a member of the Council of Fifty. All the apostles were members of the Council of oh, Fifty. Oh, okay. And, uh, and he's going down there and he's, <clears throat> he, he's trying to, you know, to, to preach the gospel to the Indians, paving the way for the redemption of Zion, which is all of all these folks are saying it'll be done by bloodshed they'll destroy the cities the transportation system you read these mm -hmm, things the mm -hmm. forts the military forts this is all part of the design and he he's going down there but he wants to find a separate nation mm -hmm. for the for the for the theocratic church operated politically by the council of 50 and that name of that nation was deseret right not, not then it wasn't. No, but it they, was when Brigham Young Oh, when they came out it, west. Not during the Joseph Smith time. Yeah, they just called it the state of Deseret, yeah. Okay. But what, what they have in mind, uh, White and his group in, in Texas, is that they want, they, they think Joseph Smith has a good chance of being president of the United States. I mean, we really got a lot of uh, grandiosity going on yes. here. And narcissism, as last week's papers a discussion showed. But in fact, Heber C. Kimball and White say, they write Joseph Smith a letter in June of 44 and say, you are bound to be president of the United States and installed, and you are already pro temp of the world. That means you're sitting in the wings to be king of the earth. Wow. And they're sending out these wow. documents. So, wow. so anyway, so uh, Lyman White, he goes down there and he, he, had ta he talks to the 
Republic of Texas. This is not yet a state. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, we will help you in your war against Mexico to secure the Texas border, which is what it is today. Mm -hmm. In turn, you give us all this land and let us become a nation. That's, that's <laughs> what he's doing as a, as a member of the Council of 50. They're so they establishing were be a nation within the nation. Uh, absolutely, this is government within government all the way. That's wow. what makes it treasonous. Wow! Yes. And so, it's a two-part plan. White and the others say, "Well, if Joseph Smith <clears throat> wins the presidency of the United States, then we already have a foothold and a friendly voice as president of the United States to allow this kingdom, this theocratic kingdom, to flourish. Hmm. If it fails." Then we'll go to Plan B, and we'll have um, we'll help the Republic of Texas defeat um, Mexico, and they will make us a nation anyway. And and Texas will be part of the nation because yeah, be there'll so be proud Texas, but then there'll be the political kingdom of Mormonism mm -hmm. is its neighbor. And see, when they come west, that's what they're trying to do too. They're trying to do that everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And well, each of these princes, is fifty princes, maybe going out or designed to go out and set up little cells of this political theocratic kingdom of God on earth. And they, they, they really believe they're the living constitution. And you can say, well, they had a lot of respect for the U.S. Constitution. No, they no, didn't. No, they didn't. Not early on. In fact, I've got, got some documents that it's got to go. It's, 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 it's yeah. cramping our style. The revelations cannot be go forward, we cannot build the kingdom of God under the U.S. Constitution. And he wanted a real theocracy. Oh, totally. Total theocracy. And they had one here. out here in the, in the state of Deseret. Oh, yeah, they yeah. sure did. Yeah. yeah, they did. But this seems to be the design and the plan, and I think that there's enough evidence. But it's also new. People probably don't even believe this, but there's plenty of documentation. Uh -huh. This is the case. Yeah, there is. Now they believed also that that's from from this particular uh, time in history that that during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ that that they would be the ones reigning with Christ. Is they that believe correct? that as well. Yes. And that of course now now the polygamists believe that they don't believe the Mormons will. They believe that they are going to reign with Jesus when yeah. he's here. Well, it, that, it, did it, it start the Council of Fifty time? believe both? That's they believe they would they would set up these cells and so. When Christ comes, Christ would just say, "Will help me usher in the millennium." That's basically what what uh, the LDS is saying back then. Uh huh. Yeah. And you think, well, this is all ancient history, but remember, this is a theocracy. Uh, these things could change. I'm not saying they are or will, but you can begin to get an insight of what is going on in Nauvoo. Uh, Joseph Smith declares himself to be a god. Mm -hmm. uh, he is ordained king of the earth. He has this council of 50, and he predicts in there that they will cover the earth. Uh, he predicts that the, uh, the you know, uh, he, that the overthrow of the government is imminent, just like Parley P. Pratt says. If this isn't done in 10 years, the Book of Mormon's false, that would be 1848. Uh, most LDS believed in that generation that Zion would be redeemed, they would build the temple, mm -hmm. they would assist the Indians, and, uh, and God would be in their midst. 
Now, did the United States government, did they realize this was going on and did they make any um, attempts to put a stop to it? They were, they were apprehensive. And I think had Joseph Smith lived a couple of more years, uh, I think he would have been convicted of treason or something along the lines of mm -hmm. treason and served mm -hmm. time in a penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And I had a federal judge who's been on the bench 25 years read this paper, and he says, yes, you're right, that's what would have happened. Wow. He added the phrase, or something along the lines of treason. Yeah. But uh, Joseph Smith is very ambitious and bold yeah. personality. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, and he had such charisma that people just pretty well followed and went along with it. And this, uh, the, what we're talking about tonight, was in, it began in March. Um, well, that's when the, it was organized. The Council of 50. But, but they're, they're talking about, uh, you know, getting, making alliances with Indian tribes mm -hmm. long before that. And see, see, there's the revelations in the Book of Mormon that you read. Uh, whole chapters practically predicting this. Mm -hmm. So he's got it on his mind since 1830, 1838. The Gentiles, and by the way, a Gentile is anyone who's not a blood descendant of Lehi, Lehi. in the Book of Mormon. Book of that's Mormon. the definition. Mm -hmm. You're a Gentile if that's the case, as I understand it. So he's got it on his mind. They're, they're making alliances with these Indian tribes. He really thinks that he can, he, can, he can get these Indians on board, and there's some evidence that he's succeeding, especially some, in Nauvoo. some... Now, he died in June of 1844, yes. and yet the Council of Fifty continued Until to... Until 1889, Wasn't there some pressure that was coming against... One of, the, one of the things that sent Brigham Young West was some pressure that was coming against them because of this very yes. uh, activity they were doing. Well, we're not talking about the, the murder of Joseph Smith, uh, but there's five or six groups in that mob of two or three hundred, and one of them has to do with polygamy. Uh -huh. There's people that are upset about polygamy. There's people upset about this being king of the earth and this theocratic kingdom that we're talking about. Masons were upset. Mm -hmm. uh, relatives uh, that had had their daughters, whatever, uh, deflowered. Uh, stealing of cattle. <laughs> There's five. This mob is, a, is, is not a single-minded purpose mob they've got their own thing going mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it happens and but it's kind of coming to a head and i i think what saved the Elias church is they left nauvoo and came to utah and and they had a whole generation to establish the theocracy brigham young had ghosts ghost legislatures meaning the council of 50 was really running the government even though they'd have elected officials wow. Yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me, though. But now, you, you talked about the minutes. Are there minutes? There are the minutes of the where, Council of where 50. Where are they at? They're in the headquarters of the LDS Church. And f for now, they will not let scholars see them nor copy them. Oh. And they've been there ever since Nauvoo. Ooh. For we, the Nauvoo wonder, period. we wonder what they're trying to hide when they won't let anyone look well, at them. Well, and, and the main historian for Nauvoo is William Clayton. Uh -huh. And we have excerpts of William Clayton's journals that I think the Tanners published a few, Quinn published a few, Andrew Ehat published a few, but we don't have the 
the full context of the journals, and they talk a lot about this Council of 50 and what's going on mm -hmm. in Nauvoo. Mm -hmm. Those are five journals. Wow. And all we have is a few excerpts. They won't release that one either. So when they say the Joseph Smith papers are going to, re, you know, everything's coming well, out. They're very selective. Very I wish selective. that were true, and I hope it's true. Yeah. We have LDS uh, uh, workers in the, in the LDS church who request these documents, but they haven't had much luck to be able to see them. Sure. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to re reveal a great big bombshell on the on the doings in Nauvoo especially, but we don't know until we see it. Right, that's right, yeah. until we see it. And of course it just, all it does is, is you know, feed our curiosity when they don't release it and maybe exactly. we imagine things worse than, than what they would be. Well, uh, this is very interesting information. We do hope that our viewers are shocked because they need to be sometimes to get out of their complacency. Right now, um, we are going to open up our telephone lines, and we do urge our viewers to call in and ask um, Grant Palmer your questions or your comments regarding what we've been talking about tonight and last week, if you want to. Um, our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. And, of course, we do ask that you stay on topic when you call in. Um, and while we're waiting for the calls to come in, we do have a message that we would like to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, Make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 
801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. We've been uh, talking with our special guest tonight, Grant Palmer, talking about the treason charges against Joseph Smith and some of his activities that maybe very few people really have been aware of this. We are taking telephone calls uh, now. Our phone number is 801-973-8820. We urge you to call in and ask uh, Grant Palmer your questions or your comments regarding our subject matter either tonight or last week. Last week we discussed the sexual allegations against Joseph Smith. And it looks like we've got a couple of calls ready and waiting to call for you. So we'll take line one, Sharon from Salt Lake City. Hello, Sharon. Yes. Yes, you're on the air, Sharon. What's your question? Yes, I understand there's uh, two, at least two non-Mormon uh, people on the Council of 50. I wondered if you knew anything about them or could comment about them. Uh, yes, there were uh, several uh, I thought one's name, one of the names was Adams, but I'm not certain of that. But yes, it wasn't just for Mormons, it was for like-minded people, but they're mainly LDS. All 12 of the apostles of the chair, LDS church were on that 50 and other prominent individuals. Okay, so basically the, the uh, council then was to set up a kingdom recognizing that there, it would not just be Mormon uh, members. Is that right, then? Yes, but you have to understand it's primarily a Mormon political theocratic government. It's a government within the government. That's what they're trying to establish. They're not happy with the United States government. They think it should be overthrown. They're predicting it will be overthrown, and they're doing their dangdest to make sure it happens. When Joseph Smith dies, some of the fervor goes out of that. Not entirely, though. It continues with Brigham Young, but, but not as ambitious. Joseph was a driving force. But they take all the help they can get who will be on their cause, who will join their cause. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sharon. Good night. Okay, we have line two, Richard calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Richard, you're on the air. Yes, I have a question for uh, your guest. Okay. I'd like to, uh, what Sharon just talked about and you discussed with um, uh, Mr. Young uh, previously, you were talking about how uh, the theocratic government out west. And my question is, if this has, if you'd be willing to talk about this, if it has anything to do with the United States Army uh, coming out here in 1857, and uh, their activities to um, probably have a look, you know, at what Mr. Young is doing, and if he uh, feels that this is an act of the United States to uh, secure uh, their property out west. Well, it has everything to do with it. That's why they came. It is. Well, this is what I was curious about. They drove away the federal judges for the territory. They had this ghost legislature that is operating under. Brigham Young and the Council of Fifty. Brigham Young's King of the Earth now, and it's it's a repeat of what they had in mind for Nauvoo and the rest of the United States. It's come to the point where the United States military has shown up in mass out west in 1857. 
Yes, that is related to the theocracy of Brigham Young government of the church. All of it is. You cannot understand Mormon history if you do not understand this Council of Fifty and the theocratic nature of the Mormon kingdom. Polygamy is a smokescreen. It's the government within a government that causes the, the major consternation among people in Washington and people who are not LDS in this area. And if you don't understand that, you really can't grasp what's happening in Mormon history. What I'm doing tonight is saying, this didn't begin with Brigham Young, it began with Joseph Smith, and he's setting up these satellite cells. And for all I know, a, he had international designs. There, there's, it may be that Orison Hyde was sent to Russia to, send up, to set up one of these kingdoms. They are very ambitious. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh-huh. Good night. Um, you, you said polygamy was a smokescreen. Would you explain what you mean by that? Well, that's the thing that bothered people. Polygamy. We don't like polygamy, and they went after that. But really, it's... it's there was a deeper it's problem. This, it's the government within the government that's causing the trouble. Look, the, the Poland Act, when was that, 62? I'm not sure. The Edmonds Act in 82, the Edmonds-Tucker Act in 87, mm -hmm. which disfranchises the church. Right. They go right after the church. They are concerned about the influence of this this political kingdom of God. It's the very topic we're talking about tonight. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. To grasp Mormon history, you must understand that or you don't quite get it. So you're saying that the danger was deeper than just polygamy. It was this Council of Fifty and the Theocratic. Yeah, it, and, it, was, and, it was the heart and soul of the problem. And, and Brigham Young actually did have the closest thing to a theocracy as, as we could oh, have totally. even dreamed while he was here. Okay, line one, we have Russell calling from Brigham City. Hello, Russell. Hi. Yes, you're on the air. Hey, uh, quick question. Um, he said, he was talking about the journals. Uh, I just want to know how he knew they were there. Um, Joseph Fielding Smith, who is what, the 10th president of the church, he had a little safe in his office. I, I saw it. And I went in there looking for some documents years ago. This was before he was president of the church. He had the seer stone in there. He had, and recently, not too long ago, the, the church uh, employees made a list of what was in that safe. And uh, my insider source says that that's some of the material that was listed in that safe that's now put into the large vault safe. So... A friend of mine requested a list of that, and they turned him down, but William Clayton is the backbone of the LDS history. He was a personal secretary of Joseph Smith, and he kept detailed records, and we have excerpts of those journals, but there are four or five journals. They're not all about Nauvoo. They come clear out into Utah, but they contain a wealth of information, and I'm not sure if those journals will reveal anything too startling that we don't already have from the extracts, but it would put things in context. Mm -hmm. and, and William Clayton was the secretary of the Council of Fifty, so he would often write in his journals what, uh, what was in, undoubtedly also in those minutes, which mm -hmm. he would have written. Mm -hmm. 
at least in the Nauvoo period. He would have written those as secretary. So that's how I know about it. They certainly exist. They're not denying they exist. We have excerpts. we just like to see the full four or five volumes. Right. I think it shed a wealth of information on Nauvoo and even early Utah. Gotcha. Well, well thanks, Mr. Palmer. And we, uh, we really um, thank you for your courage to come out and bring this out to the people. Amen. Thank you, Russell, for calling. Yeah, bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Good eye. Okay, um, looks like our phone lines are full, but we don't have a call ready yet. Uh, now, we've talked about Nauvoo um, last week and, of course, this week. Nauvoo is really a, a, a very vivacious uh, uh, activity going on in Nauvoo during the time. And then when they, when they moved west, it just kind of made it into a ghost town. Isn't that kind of what happened? Yes, and that's what saved the church, is they got away from all of those influences and all of those people the church was ready to explode anyway. The, mar the, the murder of Joseph Smith consolidated the Mormons. Mm -hmm. This is a big community. Uh, Nauvoo, in 1845 census, has almost 12,000 people. Chicago has a just a little under or, or 11,000. And then outside of, of Nauvoo City, there's another 6,000. So this is 18,000 people. Carthage has 300 people. Warsaw has about... 180 or two, 300 people. Mm -hmm. This is huge. They have a big militia. They've got cannons they're, they're bringing in in disguise uh, in, in sugar barrels. They're, they have all kinds of ammunition. They have a militia of, what is it, uh, two to 3,000 people. This is, it's not mm -hmm. bigger than right. the U.S. Army, but it's huge for a little community yeah. in central Illinois. And, uh, and it was Nauvoo where, where, where polygamy is, really began to rage as well, where Joseph Smith yes. took most of his wives and yeah. so did some of the other now, leaders last of the week church. we talked about the pattern of Joseph Smith, and, mm -hmm. and we, we talked about those nine sexual allegations from the time he's married up until they leave for Nauvoo. Mm -hmm. And uh, the apologists are saying, oh, it's all smoke, there's no fire. And I guess... And then you get to Nauvoo, and he goes into overdrive. And, they, and yeah. we, we talked about yeah. uh, William Law, and, and then if you mm -hmm. want to look at that episode, I guess you, there's a way of doing that. Is that right? And then we yes. went back into... Yes, Our episodes go online, and uh, when they go online, then they can go rewatch the show. But we see a pattern there of his, his personality all the way through his life, really. And yeah. people need to take a look at that. You won't hear that in the Mormon Sunday School, and you won't hear what we're talking about tonight in the LDS Sunday School. But it is actual history. It's and again, totally a history. I, I mentioned actually. last week your paper on the on the sexual allegations had 22 footnotes. You didn't make the stuff up. And I think tonight's paper has 17, 17, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's an ongoing paper, it's, probably up to 20 now. Okay, so the footnotes are there. Um, what he's saying is is not made up. It's not just something that, that you're pulling out of the hat, but <laughs> not to uh, be And the paper facetious. last week on three reasons why William and Jane Law left the LDS Church in 1844 will be published this September in the mm -hmm. John Whitmer Journal. And this one tonight that we're drawing the information from, that one will be uh, uh, submitted for publication fairly soon. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Hey, we've got a call from Rowney in Sandy. Hello, Rowney. Yes. Yes. Hello there. Hi. Hey, um, I have a comment for Grant and, and at the same time a question. Um, do you think, Grant, that there, uh, the Council of Fifty still exists? 
No, I don't, but I think that it could be resurrected very easily because there were times when it kind of faded away between me, 1844 and 1890, and then I it was, was kind of resurrected. I was the church for over 14 years, and I was a translator during the time of Spence W. Kimball, and I recall translating a letter that went to the um, leaders of the church worldwide, and there was curious comment in the middle of it, and I kind of then, the, uh, faith, being a faithful Mormon, I just thought that it was a fluke, but it, it mentioned at the matter that they were discussing, they say, this, uh, the, uh, Spencer F. Kimball said, this matter was discussed in a meeting of the 50. Really? Um, that was what he said, that was in the mid-1970s. And, and that was the only time that I recall hearing uh, the name 50 mentioned, and that was from the President Spencer W. Kimball. Uh, so um, that's why I'm asking, do you think it still exists at that time when I... Uh, well, maybe one of our viewers knows. I don't know about that. That may, means that the Council of 50 still is there. It'd be easy to start up. And secretly. Oh, it, Very easily. All this secretly. stuff is done in secret. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it meant that there, what, what that letter said, that there was a Council of 50, that meeting, um, uh, the meeting, in that meeting, something was discussed that was in that letter, and I yeah. can't recall what that letter was. Mormonism has a lot of secrecy to it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think you could make a case, I don't know if you could prove a case, that Joseph Smith gave the endowment to people and told them not to talk about it as they do today, and then when he could find out who he could trust then, then he'd introduce those into polygamy. And if they could keep that quiet, then maybe they would get on the Council of Fifty. It's almost like a, yeah. a kind of a, yeah. well, it's, it's different levels of, this was in there's a, a lot of secrecy in the organization, a yeah. lot. Yeah, so th but that was in the 1970s, so yeah. uh, I adopt if it, if it has... Um, well, uh, what, if, if, if one of our viewers knows something, call in, and then we'll be enlightened, because I can't yeah. help you. Well, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm just making a comment. Okay. Okay, well. Thank you. Thank you, Rowney. Sure, bye-bye. Uh -huh, bye. Okay, well, we wouldn't be surprised if we found out that it was, that it was going on, but we don't have any proof that, that something like well, that Well, the is. church has the structure for setting that up almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, line one, we have Michael calling from Ogden. Hello, Michael. Hey, uh, Doris and uh, Mr. Palmer. Um, uh, I think it's Mr. Palmer. I, I watched last week. I wonder, I have a, first off, I have a question, I guess, for Doris, uh, advice, maybe. And then I have a quick question for you, Mr. Palmer. Uh, you have to disregard my Eastern accent. I'm sorry. Um, so if you don't understand, I'm going to slow down, but I know you have a show to run here. All right, Doris, first off, um, um, and then I'm going to get off the air after I ask these two. But, um, uh, you know, if the, the LDS Church is telling folks, basically, you know, and I've tried to approach friends, um, don't read anything that is, quote, unquote, anti-Mormon. Anything, uh, anything that doesn't coincide with their teachings or, you know, new revelations, so on, you know, et cetera. Um, how in the world are we supposed to ever get through to them if they won't even, some of them won't do it? Okay, so I'm going to say that that one's for you, Doris. And then, Mr. Palmer, really quick, I'd like to ask you. I 
was always taught that that um, uh, Joseph became a third degree, I guess, a master mason, and uh, and then two weeks later, I mean, uh, he um, took these um, secrets, the rituals, but he took an oath within the Masonic lodge not to divulge anybody. He, he, he and then he uh, he inter- he um, injected them into the, the temple rituals, uh, more or less. Okay. So my question for you, Mr. Palmer, is I was told, always kind of told that the Masons, back then when they said, hey, don't tell our secrets to anybody, we'll kill you if you do. I mean, they literally meant that. And I, I've always been told that the Masons were responsible, now I don't, um, for his death. Uh, now, he didn't go out like a, a you know, um, an innocent victim. He killed a couple people, if I'm not mistaken. But that's my question for you. And uh, I love your show, Doris. Keep up the good work, Mr. Palmer. Uh, I've learned a lot from you last weekend, this week. And uh, have a great night. Thank you. It'll be enough. Thank you. Okay. Uh, very quickly to answer your question, um, Michael, uh, education is the only way that we can get uh, people to understand the things that we're talking about here on the show. And that's one reason that we do the show. We want people to to be provoked into checking these things out and looking these things up and, and knowing that they can find the truth to what they've learned. And God tells us to do that. And if you want to talk about anti-Mormon literature, you can go to the Bible because it is anti-Mormon. Now, I'll let Grant answer the question. Um. Yeah, I get torn both ways there. Uh, there's about five groups that are they're in on the murder of Joseph Smith. One of them are Masons. Levi Williams, who led the mob, wasn't a Mason, but the Masons were so proud that he killed him, they put on his tombstone, which I've seen, a symbol of the Masons. Hmm. So they like to take credit for that, but there's, there's, there's more to it than that. Uh, Joseph received five weeks before he introduced the endowment to the LDS people, he went through the, the, the lodge in, where was it, uh, anyway, nearby, the lodge. And we know that lodge took their material from the coming together of three different strands of masonry which began in the Middle Ages. It did not go back to Solomon's Temple. That was about blood and sacrifice. LDS who think it goes back to Solomon, that their temple endowments the same as it was then are simply wrong. Um, this came through the guilds and we can go, you could spend a lot of time on that, but suffice it to say they streamlined the, the, the three ideas from in, in England of the lodges and made it so that non-Masons or bricklayers and carpenters could belong to it. It became advantageous socially to belong to it. So they streamlined that and put it in 1720. That is the very ceremony that Joseph Smith obtained in Illinois and five weeks later introduced to the LDS people. Okay, well, we have... Um Couple of calls. We're going to have to hurry quickly because we're coming toward uh, close to Hello the end. There. Hello. Hi there. Yes. I uh, I just uh, had a comment. You know, uh, uh, we have a government. 
we have a government within a government in Utah. People have an allegiance, the majority of the people, last I heard about 65%, have an allegiance to their church. And they tend to vote in accordance with the, do the dominating uh, pr uh, principles of, of the people who go to their church. It's a very social church. So, I mean, who needs a council of 50 when you have such strong government? And now they have somebody running for the most powerful office on the, uh, on the earth. And mm. <laughs> that sounds pretty global to me. <laughs> well, you're right. You still see signs of this theocracy, uh, but it's nothing like it was in uh, Nauvoo and early Utah. Uh, you know, uh, let me just throw something out. You know, when John Kennedy ran for office, people were worried about his Catholicism. And uh, he made a public statement and distanced himself sufficiently that he, he actually won those, that election by winning the largest cities in some of the biggest states. Uh, people have compared Mitt Romney to that, but Mitt Romney mm. has gone a lot further in the sense that he's made covenants and pledges in the temple, the LDS mm -hmm. temple, that he will give everything he owns, even his life if necessary, to build up the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day right. Saints. Yeah. And, and his leader, his leader, that's no oh, cause for concern. Religion, yeah. an abomination. I think that's a huge distinction. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, I don't yeah. think the LDS Church will directly try to influence a, a Romney presidency should he win. And I don't think Romney will take orders. But I've, I'm just saying it's there. And he, I think it would make a lot of evangelicals more comfortable if he'd say, I don't really support that. I'm not going to take orders or yeah, say something yeah, to that effect. Yeah, but I agree. But he's in a whole different kettle of fish than Kennedy was and people like to conflate the two and, and, uh, yeah. and say they're the same. They're they're not quite the same and people not don't, even close. No. Okay, we're and getting they, and, and the church doesn't have to influence. They already have. They they started yeah, when yeah, this boy that's... was first baptized. Yeah. They, yes. He's been indoctrinated ever since day one. Okay, now we you know, you can't Ron, take the country out of the boy now. Yeah, we, so we, they don't have to influence him. He's already me. there. Ron, we, we need to That's hang out. Uh -huh, thank you, Ron. We need to hang out. We don't want to get too political on this show either no, because I, it's, I, it's uh, probably. And, and it's easy to get into with Romney running. Thank you so much for coming again and sharing with us tonight, Grant. We do appreciate all your information. We urge our viewers to, to go online, mormonthink.com, and find out information that he has there for you. Uh, I've talked a lot uh, with people from this culture, both from polygamy and also from the Mormon church, even Mormon missionaries about who Jesus Christ is. And it's very odd that the basic religions of Mormonism can't even agree on who Jesus is. Jesus himself asked the question in Matthew 16, 13, when he said, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Well, our answer to that question is the most important answer that you will ever, ever need to give. Who do you say that Jesus is? Well, Jesus claimed to be God. Some will dogmatically agree that Jesus Christ is God. Others will dogmatically disagree and say he isn't God, that he's the Son of God. Others will say he's both God and the Son of God, but once upon a time he wasn't, but now he is.
polygamist for the most part says merely a man who's learning how to become God and he's going to get his own planet with billions of kids made by his polygamist wives. But Jesus himself claimed to be God. And if he isn't God, he's either a liar or a deceiver or both. And he said if we don't believe that he is who he claimed to be, we cannot go to be with him and we know that he is in heaven. You know, we don't get to choose who God is. To Moses, he said, I am that I am. He never changes. He is eternal God Almighty, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 tells us that it was God on the cross who shed his blood for our sins. If you don't believe that, you can never receive forgiveness or eternal life or eternal peace. Check out who Jesus Christ is and then believe it. Embrace him and throw out everything and everyone else. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.